The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Uh, greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's weekly podcast. Uh, I'm John Howard. I'm joined by Tim Foster, my oh. confrere in crime. Hello. And Buffy Wicks, the state director or former state director of the Clinton campaign in California. Is yes, that? I ran the Clinton campaign in the primary. In the primary, okay. And Buffy's my real name in case anyone's wondering because I always get that question. <laughs> Does anybody chuckle when we say Buffy and they always remember Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something? So. Well, I, I have a theory that when you have a name like that, you kind of have to like develop a personality around it, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, you mentioned you'd been in the foothills, yep. uh, east of Sacramento, Forest Hill. I grew up in Forest Hill, a okay. little town, 1,500 people. No one ever knows where it's at. Mm-hmm. Off of I-80 near Auburn. Sure. Born and raised. We don't have a stoplight, you know. <laughs> How did you get from uh, the foothills east of Sacramento to the White House and presidential campaigns? How was that How was that leap made? You know, I did my first campaign um, in 1996. I volunteered for Katie Herning. Against John Doolittle. Okay. Way back in the day, which I'm sure some of your listeners might not remember that race. That was my that was my first race, Um, and I just became in love with politics, you know. Uh Um, And I think part of it is my mom is like the natural community organizer or leader. She's the one with like the clipboard organizing the swim team and all the other kind of activities. So I think I kind of got my organizing sensibility and kind of civic engagement from my parents. What was the sense you had, you know, the partisanship? I remember Doolittle very well. Yes. Uh, Highly partisan. Very, very... Very Republican. Yes. Yeah. So what was your, you know, your first takeaway from that first campaign? Um, how did you deal with the partisanship, and how do you deal with it now? Oh, well, I, I, I think I came out of the womb very liberal, <laughs> um, even though I was in a conservative part of the country. Yeah, you uh-huh. know? That that's district, what I was thinking. That district is actually very conservative. Um, but, you know, I, actually, it's actually really interesting. So Katie that year ran on gun control in 1996. And which obviously then was not an issue that you would would really want to run on as a Democrat. And when I think about now that issue, right, and how like it's it's become the kind of issue du jour for Democrats who are always wanting to be out there on it. It's just kind of a sign of the times, right? Uh Although probably still not in that area. Although probably still not in that area, yeah. yeah. Although it's it is very different. The political climate is so different. But um, I, you know, in terms of the partisanship, I just was such a passionate believer, and have always been pr- very progressive on my uh-huh. on my ideas and who I want to work for. I've worked for Howard Dean. I've worked in the anti-war movement. I worked in labor movement. You know, so I've always been very progressive. So and then from that world. campaign. Um, did you work on other congressional campaigns? Or? That campaign, so I was, um, I went away to college, I actually interned at the ACLU um, uh-huh. uh, in college as well. And then after that, I actually moved to D.C. and I worked on the Hill. Oh, okay. Um, right after college in 1999, um, right at sort of the end of, uh, beginning of the Bush administration, if you will. Uh-huh. Um, and I worked for Bob Filner from San Diego. Oh, really? Yep, worked for Bob Filner and, uh, and learned a lot. Moving right along. Okay. Moving right along, yeah, <laughs> moving right along. Um, so I spent about a year and a half on the Hill. Then I actually left the country for a few years and went to grad school in Spain and traveled around Australia. So you and, have been to Spain. Yes. Well, you could use yes. that music again, Tim. <laughs> I know. You and Doug You mentioned Filner. The only college instructor I didn't like at San Diego State where I went, and I, I grew up in San Diego, Yep. Um, was Bob Filner, who I took poli sci from, and he gave me a C. Well, he clearly had the wrong mark there, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, I mean, I just kind of I taught English in Korea, and I kind of traveled wow. around in my twenties, and then came back right when um, the, the beginning of the um, 
the movement around trying to stop the war in Iraq. Uh-huh. And I moved to San Francisco and started doing anti-war organizing here in San Francisco. And I was like the girl with the bullhorn, like, marching down the, like, you know, California street, right, mm-hmm. um, leading these protests and demonstrations. Um, and during that time, there was a presidential candidate who was coming out very forcefully against the war in Iraq, and it was Howard Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of, for when I saw him speak, he, I, well, rather, let me try that one more time. He spoke at the California Democratic Party convention mm-hmm. that year, and he had this great speech about being against the war in Iraq. And um, that he wanted to be, he represent the Democratic wing of the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. you know. And I just kind of got captivated by him and moved to Iowa. Moved to Iowa? Yeah, okay. and to work in the Iowa caucus. Wow. Yeah. Was that, so that was basically your first presidential experience? That well. was my first paid presidential. I, I volunteered for Gore before, uh-huh. okay. the cycle okay. before. Um, so Dean, re- Dean was known, you know, as I, as I remember, he, he really sort of, he innovated a lot of online fundraising. He Did you get involved a lot of the online, digital pieces of that? He was very innovative for the, at the time. Yeah. You know, he innovated um, a lot of the online fundraising. He innovated um, meetups, which were basically like online meetups that would then have offline actual meetings, right? Mm-hmm. So people could find people in their community who also liked Howard Dean. They could have these... Um, they'd find them online and then they'd have these, you know, offline meetings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, all that was very new then, you know. Um, blogging was new. I mean, you guys remember, right, back in yeah. the day. And, you know, he really, um, it's interesting. There's a book um, called Herding Donkeys that kind of talks about how um, Ari Berman wrote it. And it's about, it talks about how Dean kind of set the stage in a lot of ways for Obama. Obama, mm-hmm. obviously, very different candidate, different message. I think his campaign acknowledged that, that they, they took a lot of the Dean playbook, if I remember right, at well, the Well, when you look at the Obama campaign, you have people like me, Jeremy Byrd, um, you know, Joe Rossbars. A lot of the leadership of the Obama world had come from the Dean campaign. Huh, um, so there was just, I think, you know, obviously they're very different candidates, sure. very different outcomes. But I think we started to kind of experiment and learn a lot about how can you use technology to help augment your organizing. Now, with your background, you seem like you would have been the perfect Bernie Sanders person, (laughs) but you actually were running the campaign for Clinton in California against Sanders during the primary. Yeah. How? What was that like? And were there friends you'd worked with that were on the other side? I mean, how did? For sure, there were friends I worked with on the other side, Um, and in fact. When I worked for Obama in 08 and 12, I had friends on the Hillary Clinton side that had come from Dean as well, right? And that's part and parcel of any primary, right? Mm-hmm. You have friends on the other side. You know, I, after, and, and the Obama experience was six great years of my life that we can get to here in a second, um, uh, which was very pivotal for me professionally. Um, but in terms of Hillary versus Bernie, you know, I, I kind of came onto Hillary very early on after, after 2012, Mm -hmm. you know, and when we started hearing about, is she going to run? Is she not going to run? You know, and for me, I just felt like she was someone who, um, is a fighter, you know, which I really appreciated, especially as a So you and Donald Trump have that in common. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's maybe the only thing we have in common. (laughs) But, you know, as someone who... 30 years of kind of taking your hits uh, in the press and getting up every day and fighting yeah. for what she believes in. Was, it, was there any uncertainty about her running that you know of? And for, for me, looking at it from the outside, no, I mean, as a reporter, yeah. it seemed to me that was, uh, that was sort of destined to happen. I mean, I thought very strongly the likelihood that she was certainly going to run and sort of been preparing for that. In her yeah, own I mean, I think, I think in, in probably 2014, 2013, there was some, some more uncertainty, but I think as you get into 2015, it seemed like it was more solidified. Yeah. Um, and as you know, you could see kind of people starting to get hired and thus starting to kind of get yeah. put into place. Um, and I just thought, you know, particularly a woman to face that level of kind of like unfair gender bias in the media 
day in and day out, fighting for what she believed in. And when you look at kind of her track record, you know, she's a progressive mm-hmm. pragmatic. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I learned in the Obama administration, too. I worked at the White House is how are we going to get a, make a deal here? You know, because we can stick to our ideology all day long, which I certainly come from the left, right? But at the end of the day, we also have to govern, and we need to figure out how are we actually going to move the needle on the issues that we mm-hmm. care about. And I think that she's actually particularly po- poised to be able to do that most effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, in D.C., she, this is someone who has fantastic relationships with Congress, you know. Um, you know, she, I think she knows how to get shit done, <laughs> you know. Sure. Um, so for me, it was a very easy decision. Um, and when you look at substantively on the issues, you know, she's there for me on a lot of those issues that I care about. And is she a perfect candidate? No. Is she perfect for me on everything? No. But she has everything that I want in a president. How, how was it uh, dealing with the media back there? Uh, I mean, our experience here, obviously, was state politics and the state capital press corps is minuscule compared to the Washington. Oh, in D.C.? You know? Yeah. And it's very it's... hierarchical. I've had friends that work back there and still do. Uh, there's a very definite structure. It's very hierarchical. People leak to other people based on sort of their perceived sense of the heart. There are a lot of careerists back there. There's yeah. all kinds of stuff going on. It's very different, you know, and I've just been kind of reintroduced to California politics here, so I don't, yeah. you know, I don't live in the kind of press corps world here as much as I did in D.C. Yeah. But in D.C., there's a lot of leaks, you yeah. know. Um, it's it's a hard thing to manage. Um these reporters are very well sourced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're very clever. It's, you know, it's 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 a lot. <laughs> it can be kind of exhausting. Do you find during the campaign it gets better, worse, stays the same than it is being well, say I, like I will governance? say, you know, when you look at Hillary's campaign this cycle in particular, yeah. the the campaign has done a very good job of um, controlling the leaks. You don't see obviously apart from WikiLeaks, but you don't see a lot of um, Leaking happening coming out of the campaign. We didn't really have it in the Obama world as much either mm-hmm. um, in 2008 or in 2012. It was a very kind of cohesive team. Um, so it wasn't as, as sort of pronounced. But when you're in D.C. in particular um, and you're operating that kind of Democratic, I assume Republican side too, sort of infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's trying to get chits with reporters. Sure. It's sort of a constant thing. What, what's the dynamic of the campaign in like the last three or four weeks? I mean, you've, you've, you've gone through it in the primary, you've gone through it in other campaigns. I mean, yep. just what, what happens now? We're less than four weeks from election well, day. now the whole focus of the campaign really is keeping an eye on the prize of getting out your voters, right? A lot of these states are voting. They're starting to vote. They, so some of them already have been. A lot of them are starting to hear soon. Mm-hmm. These campaigns, the Clinton campaign has spent months and months and months, a lot of money, resources, organizers' efforts mm-hmm. to identify who their voters are. And it's just turning out all those voters, whether it's you know chasing absentee votes, depending on the absentee program in the state, or getting folks to go early vote. Every time you get someone to go early vote or you get that absentee ballot off of the kitchen counter and into the mail, mm-hmm. You take that person off your list, you set them aside, and you go and back at that list again. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for sure the Clinton campaign is a much better field operation than the Donald Trump operation. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, yeah, you know? there have been many stories about um, how little he's spending on that, if, if, any. if, if anything at all. Yeah, That's a big deal. It's always been a big deal in California because of the strong labor, especially in L.A. County. They have the... They have the boots on the ground. They have the people. They're out there doing the door hangers and knocking, you know. Exactly. All that stuff. And it takes a long time to build that infrastructure. Field doesn't happen overnight, you know. It takes months and months. And while there's been all of these other things going on in the campaign, obviously the recent news of the tapes from 2005 and and, and just Trump's sort of sensibility of being so, um, you know, throwing sort of bombs all day long constantly, the Clinton campaign's job and it's what they're doing is just eye on the prize. You know, I've got a goal. I know, I know in Ohio that I need to turn out X amount of voters. 
So I know what that number is, and I know to get to that number, I need to have registered X amount of people, I need to have persuaded X amount of people in your persuasion universe, and I need to turn out X amount of people in my turnout universe. Mm -hmm. And it's that it's that mathematically methodical. And you use the targeting data analytics to get you to where you need to go to uh, do that. Okay, then then why stop at the primary? I mean, is that now handled out of Brooklyn? Oh, for Brooklyn? me, personally? I mean, yeah. You know, I came on board to do the primary. Um, I was... <laughs> I was in the middle of living sort of between D.C. and California, moving yeah. back here. The campaign asked me to come and run the primary. I was also recently just pregnant. And so my husband was in D.C. and I was here and we were trying to buy a house. There was a lot going on, you know. <laughs> totally. And I was like, okay, there's all this stuff going on, but hey, let's just run the California primary for Hillary while we're at it. Because um, I, was, I was thinking from the perspective, I mean, that obviously was hectic, but I was thinking of, okay, California is a blue state. Uh, Hillary won by ten or twelve here over Bernie. Yeah, uh, clearly, and people before that, a lot of people, not Capital Weekly, however, because Paul Mitchell and Jonathan Brown got the they got the numbers almost right. Yeah, I mean, almost exact. When people others were saying, you know, it was within the margin. Yeah, um, but it's a blue state, and so is it. I, I don't mean to say well, that anybody's taking it for granted, but if I was putting my resources right across and the I, country, I think, and from my perspective, you know, I've done this is the fourth campaign fifth technically but fourth of like a, a paid role like a senior level role in the campaign and I was happy to come do it for the primary it uh -huh. really mattered a lot mm -hmm. you know this was the last state you know there was a lot of talk at the time of like if Bernie wins and how does that send her into the general even if sure. she you know what I mean she'll win the, the, the nomination and so I just thought it was very important to come do it um, I had put my other work aside and told my other clients I'm going to come back and I'll be back in like two months just to hang tight. Yeah. So I had obligations that I needed to return to. What, what, what does a state camp? This is an obvious question, but what does a state campaign director do? I mean, what so, is it, what's your function? So initially, especially at the very beginning, you have negative seven seconds to build a team. You know, time is of the essence. It's the only thing in campaigns you can't control, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we knew we had, I had about a two-month runway, which is not a very long period of time to build an operation. Um, so it was quickly hiring your political director, your comms director, your field director, kind of the core leadership team, which, by the way, nine out of ten of our uh, core leadership were women. Uh -huh. It's a very women-led uh, campaign effort here wow. in California. 33% of Capital Weekly staff are women. Oh. We only have three people, and two yeah. of them are right here. <laughs> so, a little humor. Right yeah. <laughs> um, and so building your team very, very quickly. And then for us, you know, what, what we knew our strategy was going to be for, when we were going up against Bernie was, one, a laser-like focus on early vote. And I think this is where we had a, a very good advantage. We knew that California disproportionately votes early. Mm -hmm. um, not all demographics, but we knew we needed to focus on that piece of it. Um, and then secondly, that we had a great coalition, a very diverse coalition of voters. And California is a, um, it's a diverse state. It's one of the most diverse states in the country, right? And so we knew we did well with the African-American community, with the Latino community, with the AAPI community. And so we had to really focus on turning out those voters. Um, the great thing about when we started here, and this is something that I think is unique to California, there's such a strong and rich history of um, grassroots volunteerism and organizing here that is built on true volunteers and not paid staff, mm -hmm. um, which we, which I found in 08. I was at Barack Obama's field director here in 08 against Hillary. Uh -huh. um, and so we built a very big, robust operation then. We used, in the 08 general, um, California basically as a phone bank for the rest of the country. And yeah. a lot of those volunteers went to Nevada, Colorado, other states to canvas. We did the same thing in 2012. Mm -hmm. So there's been a, just a cycle after cycle, a rich history here of volunteers who... Um, have really strong leadership skills, where if you look at Ohio or Florida or, or Colorado or Iowa, those are states where they'll flood the zone, so to speak, with 300, 500 organizers. 
So your volunteers aren't trained as, as, as highly because in California, those volunteers are, they serve as that staff level, mm-hmm. right? So our volunteers know how to like use the voter file. They know how to print walk lists and call sheets and build canvases and, you know, do data management and all the social media and all those sort of pieces. So when I got here and we had two months left, you're coming into a very well-organized group of people who have done this cycle after cycle, and they know how to do it. Did you, know? you have, um, uh, at that time, you know, there's a lot of reporting on the millennials. Yep. Um, and uh, a popular conception of these mine was that the millennials were very heavily favoring uh, Bernie. Yep. Um, were you able to target them? I re- you won decisively, obviously, so at some point you did. I just wondered, was well, that part I think, of the Well, I think from our perspective, we knew which cohorts were going to be with us, yeah. right? We knew older women were going to be with us, for sure. So we're going after our voters to turn them out. In terms of millennials, I think the big question was, are they going to show up? You know, there was a big surge in voter registration in the six weeks leading up to the to, to the primary, mm-hmm. um, which there always is, you know, because everyone's all of a sudden paying attention because there's an election. And our question was, you know, are those folks going to show up or not? And if they are, who are they with? Right. Mm-hmm. And that was that was the wild card from my perspective. And I knew, you know, we all saw the, the, the polling shrinking and we saw it getting closer and more narrow. But we also knew internally that our um, the, the numbers that we were tracking in terms of our absentee ballots, that uh-huh. our people were voting. So we felt good going into Election Day with a very strong lead in early vote. Is there anything odd about California or different or something you confront here? There's a thousand things more different about California. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, so, that's something you have to accommodate as a campaign person. Uh, because they do it differently in California, whatever it might be, than they yeah. do in, I don't know, For New York sure. or Florida. A couple or... things. One, you're, you're okay. never going to have 300 organizers here, yeah. like you are in Florida or Ohio, right? So you have to create that lay level of leadership. Okay. Two, it's incredibly diverse. So we were running phone banks in seven languages. Wow. In Vietnamese, Mandarin, Cantonese, Tagalog, uh, Spanish, um, a couple others. It wow. was just like a lot of mm-hmm. Korean, actually, I think, yeah. So we had phone lang- and and these were... Real phone banks contacting voters, and really, it wasn't just like sometimes these campaigns do this as kind of an earned media kind of yeah. spoof. But we had targeted voters in those lists, and um, so I think so. California, really, the diversity is yeah. huge. The early voting is huge. The the cultural awareness around sort of absentee um, voting is is gradually increasing more and more, which I think is important. And strong level of, of organizers here that are volunteers. Yeah. So I think it is different in a lot of ways, you know. Um, and people are kind of used to this. They're kind of used to not getting a lot of resources. Yes. You know, where in these battleground states, they have resources coming out of their ears. Okay. You know, they're a little spoiled in those other states. <laughs> okay. But we're tough ha- and mighty, you know. <laughs> hey, one, <laughs> on that happy note. But one last question. Yeah. So what's your uh, send on November 8th? What do you think? What do you think the vote totals? What's the margin? It's a great What's question. What's your guess? I mean, I tend to be a little bit more conservative because I choose to live in a state of fear and paranoia at all times. <laughs> you know, when you're a campaign person, that's how you should operate, right? So, like, you know, reporters too. Yeah, yeah. So, like, don't take anything for granted, even if, like, sure. yeah. I mean, Lord knows, like, Trump has done enough to sort of injure himself, but yeah. you never know, right? Do you trust the polls? Actually, that was a question I meant to ask. You know, I tend to not ever trust public polling. Yeah. You know, and and polling in general has gotten more difficult as people yeah. kind of are more using mobile phones right. and stuff. So I tend to not trust the polling, especially the public polling. Having said all of that, 
the the Clinton campaign's doing everything right in yeah. terms of the ground operation. Are there daily tracking polls, forty eight hour track? I don't know. On the Clinton campaign, yeah. I assume so. Yeah. You know, I mean, I assume they're doing kind of really regular monitoring. Yeah. Um, but they're right now they're in execution mode. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, sure. they've built an operation. It's yeah. this weird thing with campaigns when, as you sort of, especially like the day the day sort of before an election day, it's this sense of calm. Where right. you're like, you've kind of done everything you can do. You're in the middle of the hurricane. Right, right. and you're like, everything's firing on all cylinders, which is where it should be. Yeah. And so when you're a state director or campaign manager, you're just kind of watching it all being like, I hope we did everything we could do. You know, I don't want to regret anything. Which, and then if you, I've also been in a situation where I have made some regrets and I'm like, oh no, why did I do that? Um, so I think it could be... Again, I'm going to be probably a little bit more conservative. A, I think she's going to win. Um, but I think it could be more like the 2012 victory, where we lost North Carolina. It was really close in Florida. Um, it was 332 electoral votes, which wasn't as big as the 2008 victory. Right. Um, we'll see. You know, I could be totally wrong. You know, yeah. some people think... It's an educated guess. You know. Guess based on experience. I think Nate Silverhead, uh, when I looked at it this morning, I think Arizona was actually was listed as in the Clinton camp, which would stupefying if that actually happened, but, uh, you know. Okay, well, on that uh, light note, so Buffy Wicks, state campaign director, former, former state yep. uh, for Hillary Clinton. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks very for much, taking guys. The time. I thank you. It. All right. Tim Foster, thank fun. you very much. Uh, this is John Howard. We will s- you can hear us next time around next week. Thanks a lot.